Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Uh, going back to an old classic, are you? Yeah, well, caught me by surprise. <laughs> so Came back I, from the pee. You <laughs> know what happens? Like, you know, burglar breaks in the middle of the night. You're like, greetings, greetings. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you? Most likely I'd say good grief. That's, good grief. Good golly. Take that's, everything that's, but the top tier. Shucks, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I tend to cuss when I'm surprised. <laughs> I believe that because Palmer doesn't really cuss any other time. I could just see him. Oh fuck! Oh shimmy fucks! <laughs> no, the one time, the one time I was startled awake in the middle of the night, I, I, I actually, I actually said, "Goodness gracious." <laughs> That's what I said. Goodness gracious. Lordy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of embarrassing, really. But. It is embarrassing. <laughs> Lordy, Lord. Lordy, what's going on? <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, well, you can tell we've uh, already knocked out two shows and we're, we're coming up on the Q&A show. <laughs> A few beers under our belts. And, yes. uh, yeah. Yeah, take everything but the top tier system is what uh, Justin was saying. I, I think uh, I'd agree, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Take the wife. Leave my top tier <laughs> system. Yes. Uh, <laughs> top tier from our, our uh, fine sponsor, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, check them out. They got great products. And, uh, uh, you know, if you uh, go to your local homebrew shop, chances are, uh, you know, if they if they don't carry a Blickman product, they're just looking for an excuse to carry a Blickman product. Uh, yeah. they got, They'll uh, be happy to order it for you and get it shipped to you. Yeah, they, they've got, uh, you know, everything from, uh, you know, making the work to uh, chilling it to bottling it for competition in a in a very professional way. So, uh, you know, lots of lots of cool gadgets still coming out. If you think you know everything that Blickman sells, you're wrong. Uh, or everything that Blickman makes, uh, you're wrong. You know, go to the website. You want to check out that website, uh, you know, every so often because they are beers. coming up with new stuff all the time. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the uh, hot blocker uh, they just came out with. And uh, it's got some other other great little gadgets that, you know, just make the brewing experience better. So uh, check it out. They, uh, you know, they pay for the show so you don't have to. So at least you can do is, you know, send them a nice email. Say, hey, uh, thank you for, for uh, sponsoring the show and, and uh, you know, making sure the show goes on because uh, I enjoy it. Or if you don't enjoy the show, then... You know, whatever. Suck it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell them that. Exactly. Don't tell them that. Uh, 
go off and I don't know. Find some other industry. I heard about you on the show, which I really don't enjoy. <laughs> I listen to it all the time, but I don't really care for it. Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks By for the way, sponsor. I drink a lot of wine. Wine. I listen to it for their their ribald uh, humor. Yeah. Yes. You, me, and Chaucer. That's us. Right. Speaking of Chaucer, uh, when's the next time that? Uh, that uh, we're in England. Uh, not soon. Uh, not soon. No, I wish. I wish. I wish. We really should get Cameron to invite us over there. I know. I, every once in a while, somebody, you know, from Great Britain, you know, chats me up on, online and or in, in the uh, email there on the interwebs. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, hey, find some someone to pay for my trip over and give me an excuse with the wife. You fuckers get invited to all the good places. I get invited to, like, the Pacheco Community Center, and you guys get invited to Australia and England. Well, you know, we're more attractive than you are. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you have to know something to go and talk about beer. Yeah, yeah, we put out easier than Justin does. He's he's frigid, you know. John and I were (laughs) Justin wants to bring equipment, we bring beer. Spirits. (laughs) We're wild and crazy guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. All right. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, let's knock out a uh, uh, this Q and A show, and yeah. uh, what that means is uh, and generally I'll I'll try and uh, you know the three of us will try and send out uh, tweets and Facebook updates saying hey we're doing uh, you know Q and A show jump on, but uh, nah, I didn't today. I was busy doing other things with yeah. Me too. Actually, I was had an early morning fencing lesson with my son took him down to the right. to the uh you using 4 4 inch or, or 6 inch slats on that fence uh <laughs> yeah, the 6 inch yeah. 6 inch all right but, go big or go home that's what i always say that's right i tweeted for you slackers and uh, i facebooked too all right no okay. wonder nobody showed up no yeah. I don't know. Yeah. uh yeah so generally we do that and and what it is it's a chance for you to ask uh any question you know you have uh of uh you know the three of us uh versus uh you know sending an email and waiting it's great to ask them uh during the show because that way a lot of people get to hear them and and get the uh right. the advice so uh, we try and answer emails as well i've gotten to a point where I have an apology as part of my signature now on <laughs> my emails that says, hey, I love getting the email and I love answering the questions and, you know, uh, discussing stuff back and forth. But, you know, I got to make the answers why you really, said that to me. really short. Yeah, exactly. It was because of you. Uh, I got to make the answers really short because I just cannot do the volume of email and, and do the, the, the real long answers yeah. anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, I should do that too because I I get way more email than I actually respond to, and I should respond to all of you yeah. nice people that send us. See, you troublemaker, you're uh-huh. the problem. See, I respond to every email, and they take me do? a month. Oh yeah, there's no freaking unless that's good. Unless well, if it's something that says this is a request for Kenya Brewit, yeah, it goes to the Kenya Brewit folder regardless of whether you send it direct to me. I'm not going to answer it. Okay, unless um unless you ask some other question. Then I'll answer that. But every email I get, every question that's asked, I feel like you took the time to write it. Yeah. I should at least take the time to respond and say, I don't know, or, right. you know, 
You're whatever a better man be. than I, man. I, sometimes ah, I'm just daunted you know. by all those emails. I just think, yeah, oh, you can't blow them off. You're right. I mean, please, you know, you're right. you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, child, please. You gotta, uh, you gotta, uh, a little Ocho Cinco reference in there. Child, please. <laughs> uh, you're an Ocho Cinco fan, aren't you? I am. I he's a funny guy. guy. He's really funny. He is. He is. He's not. He, he isn't. He isn't a problem. He's. He's funny. I want you to legally change your name to something stupid one day too, Jamil. Oh yeah, like uh, Mr. Malty. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Mr. Malty. Exactly. <laughs> I could. I could. Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll have a. Uh, we'll have a contest. <laughs> name Jamil. There you go. <laughs> oh, this would be good for ratings. There, there have to be enough money involved in right. it for me, though. Uh, <laughs> Buy lots of jewelry for the wife. That'd be great. That'd be funny. New electronics for the kids. (laughs) Yeah, his dad's changing his name. (laughs) Oh, the names that would come in. That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Let's run that up the flagpole. See what happens. (laughs) All right. So, uh, anyways, let's knock out a quick question. Pick a brief one, and uh, let's get it done, and then we'll take a quick break. Okay, and just so you know, the Q&A show, you can send it to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com or feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Either one will get to us, and uh, that's how you send them in advance. Or, or as Jamil said, you tune in live, and you go in the chat room, and you get me your questions that way. All right, uh, Jesse from Seattle wrote into the uh, the email. Um, he wants to know about salt additions, and he says, When calculating salt additions uh, to be added to the kettle, should I assume that all of my mash salt additions end up in the kettle over the course of the first runnings in the sparge? You know, since there's water retained by the grain, right. is it also right. safe to assume that some of these mash salts are retained as well? Yeah, you are assuming that they um, go that they end up in the kettle. Um, okay. What you're, I mean, it, you, it is a lot of assumptions, and maybe and maybe it's um, misleading assumptions. But you know, to the best of our knowledge, we're saying that. Um, when you add them to the mash, the pH is low enough that these salts do go completely into solution, become completely soluble, and that uh, they are equally represented in the volume of wort that you pull out of the mash. Right. So, so well, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, 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 okay. All right. So, um, I think you know the question is. You know, do not is all of the salts come out of the mash? He's worried about right. overshooting his additions right. by adding more. So, John, what you're starting to say is it's all equal all the way throughout the, all the liquid in the mash. Right. You take out a portion of the liquid from the mash. Right. The portion of liquid that remains behind has an equal amount of the salts in it so just the the salts do remain in the mash but not Mm -hmm. more than it's not like they get strained out and there's less in the boil so it's consistent between mash and boil so they do get left behind Mm -hmm. but 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 at a ratio of the of the amount of liquid that was left behind versus what you collected right okay and um in in how to brew there's the an equation for figuring about how much water is retained by the you know that the grain soaks up so it's about um it's about a quart per pound actually it's the less anywhere from a half a quart per pound to one quart per pound is retained by the grain and uh i think that's right no sorry half half quart anyway 
So you you fit you calculate out that much and say yeah, it's in the book. By the book, calculate that much left behind, and so you know, four gallons of mash water went in, three and a half came out. You know, you've got three and a half at your salt concentration in the boil kettle. You're going to add another couple gallons. It's say you know another three gallons of of sparge water, Um, and I would assume that just for, for you know, part of my assumption is I'm going to assume that uh, the water going into the kettle as the sparge has no minerals in it. And uh, so you add three gallons worth of minerals to or salts to the kettle to make up for that, you know, no addition sparge water that went through the mash. Some you're going to get some more going in, but the idea is you're trying to mimic the local water that you were trying to emulate. So, um, just well, you know, if, you know, if you're if you're batch sparging, um, it's actually it's, it's pretty easy numbers, right? So, yeah, uh, you've you've whatever you run out of the kettle, right? Mm-hmm. Y- if you count how much went into the mash, however much you ran into the kettle, do some basic plus minus math, and yeah. uh, you you know that uh, how much is left in the mash, okay? And that assume that has an equal amount of, of the salts that were added. Then, uh, you know, if you go ahead and add more water and recirculate, it's, you know, however much water you added versus the water that was there, you know, and again, should tell you how much uh, uh, salts are in there. I assume it's all consistent throughout. Mm -hmm. You run off however much, that's how much salts you end up in in your boil. So, uh, and you can keep going, you know, as many times as you want. Yeah. I I think, you know. Don't overthink this stuff. Exactly. The salts aren't that critical and and really a little less than you're thinking for, you know. No, I don't think anybody really burtonizes their water to, like, burton on Trent water because that that would just be pretty stanky. Um, You know, don't, don't go overboard. You know, show some restraint with the uh, with the the mineral salts. You'll you'll get better results. Yeah, keep it simple. And if it's if the batch seems like it's a little too much, back off next time. Mm-hmm. Or if it's, it seems like it's enough, increase a little bit. But keep it simple. Don't try to overthink. Don't try to say okay, some of it probably diffused in during the sparge, et cetera. And don't don't go there. Right. Just well, and you know somebody. Uh, Oh, now I've totally lost it. Somebody emailed me about uh, about uh, you know can you brew it and the uh, the question of uh, you know the brewers you know how much salts they add and he said you know a lot of them will tell you how much salt they add per barrel you know of you know gypsum or whatever it might be but what's their you know what are they targeting for their water you know what's the actual you know mineral concentration in their water yeah. I said most of them don't know. You know they've they've reached that by hit and miss. They said, well, you know, let's put in this amount, and yeah, that tastes good. Or oh, that's too much or too little, and then they don't really know exactly what the the resulting water is, or they've kind of calculated it. You know, right, uh, right. the big the big boys all know exactly what their water is, but uh, you know, a lot of these guys don't. So. Uh, not as critical, you know. You, you know, run it by run it by taste, and and you should be able to tell if it's you know too harsh and minerally, or you know, uh, the hops don't have enough character, and it seems kind of flabby. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, have more of your questions after this. 
smart. Bruce Strong. This is Bruce Strong. Cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with Dr. Jean de Clerc. Greetings, listeners. 20th century Belgian super brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes do the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebach. What, what? 21st century Norwegian-American homebrewer rapper from St. Paul. Listen, listen. I bust attenuation maxims and my Yakima magnums make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power after I mash for an hour. I got naked ladies in my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five liter dick. Get your nasty mid drinking group on ass back to 1026, boo! And Brother Abelard. Up there with witch. Be gone! 12th century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven. And a modicum of bog myrtle hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more Time Brewers! Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Hilo, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. Woo! It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right. Technicals, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Going to get get hit right in the technicals, yes. (laughs) Palmer's name never sounded so good as when that announcer says it. I'll say that right now. Yeah. Palmer. (laughs) Exactly. That's true. He he puts the balls in Palmer is what he does. That's right. I can't pronounce my name so people understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Right in the Palmers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. So uh, step up with your Palmers and uh, uh, bring some some good questions to our Q&A session. All right. Uh, What we got next? All right. A couple questions uh, coming from guests in the chat. So I'm sorry I don't have your name in here. But um, this listener wrote in, I use Firm Cap S from Northern Brewer in most all of my beers uh, in fermentation. Will that affect my future beers that I'm repitching my yeast to? And I don't know what Firm Cap S is, by the way. Well, it's it's one more than uh, firm cap R. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. One less than firm cap T. <laughs> Perfect. It's the firm cap that goes to eleven. <laughs> the good one. It's the good one. Uh, yeah, you know uh, the material that's in there does not uh, like dissolve and uh, get worn out, uh, is my understanding. So um, I don't think it gets uh, bound up in anything. Uh, I, I think it would carry from pitch to pitch. Um, what is it? Is it like a Fermade K? Is it a nutrient? I don't no, know it, it's uh, anti foaming. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Right. Uh, and you'd have to check with the manufacturer for sure, but I'm pretty sure it will carry over. So, um, you know, a lot of breweries will will uh, filter out uh, any residual and, and things like that. So, um, but I think you know it's not a big deal if you're if you're using it anyways. Um, you know, you you probably carry some over. 
Okay. All right. I have an aeration question that came through. Uh, This is a unique technique he's using here. My aeration method is to stick a long whisk attached to a drill Mm -hmm. into my wort. Mm-hmm. I blend, whip, and beat my word at high speed for about 10 minutes. I blend, whip, ten and minutes. beat my... He's a better man or, than I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how effective is this aeration method compared to using an air pump, and how long should I do it? Yeah. It's effective. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of equivalent to shaking um, and uh, pouring. Um, so you will get, you know, your eight parts per million of oxygen into that wort. Mm-hmm. Um at some point. Um, what you're also doing, though, is you're probably generating a lot of foam and probably decreasing your head retention on that future beer. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Jamil? Right. I think, uh, I think you know, that's, that's uh, absolutely, uh, you know, like you're saying, you, you're, you get the eight parts per million that you're going to get with air. Anything that exchanges the surface liquid of the wort and, you know, mixes up the wort. It doesn't have to be bubbling because um, that's not really where you're getting the majority. It's just the f- surface area. If you keep, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, rotating that wort, uh, so fresh wort's on the surface, picking up more oxygen, then, you know, that's certainly possible. The thing I don't like about it is, you know, twofold. One that John mentioned where you're whipping it into a froth. Anytime you whip it in a froth, you know, those uh, head-forming uh, proteins, you know, they become denatured. They bend out uh, after the bubble is formed, and then they're lost. There's lots of them. You know, it depends on the wort, of course. Some have more than others. But if you really want good good head retention, uh, you know, and you're having a problem and you're, you're whipping to a froth for a long period of time, some people do this for half an hour or more. That's probably too long. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. 15 minutes is tops. Um and you should be getting close to eight parts per million. A lot of people use those paint mixer um, yeah. uh, paddle stirs, yeah. and they put those in there, and they're like, yeah, oh, it's like, it forms a big vortex, and boy, you can feel the wind whistling into the carboy. And well, you know, the problem with that is you're pulling in a lot of dust and uh, other matter from the air. That, that dust carries bacteria, wild yeast, things like that, and you're introducing them into your beer. The nice thing about an aquarium pump is you can put a sterile filter in line, and uh, then, you know, the air that's going in has been filtered. You're not adding uh, bacteria and wild yeast, and you're actually, you've got positive pressure coming out of the vessel, and that keeps other stuff from dropping in. So that's why that's preferred in that method. The problem is you're actually, in a lot of cases, you may come short on the amount of oxygen needed. Um, yeah. Aeration generally is okay. Uh, with oxygen, you can go to a higher level of saturation. Uh, and that can be important when you're doing uh, you know, high-gravity brewing or uh, you know, lager brewing, things like that. Of course, you can you can actually overdo oxygen, uh, so that's one of the benefits to aeration is you're never going to overdo it. So yeah. yeah, I didn't know that until you uh, you you've pointed it out both in my beer and you fixed a couple problems in Chad's beer by yeah. talking about over oxygenation. Right. right. So yeah. all right, Hoppy Mad in the uh, chat room wrote in. Um, He's making your Munich Hellas, Jay Z, mm-hmm. and he says, "When lagering, I've heard that I can do this lagering in a keg." And I'm checking to see um, if this is okay to lager in a keg. And if so, uh, do I carbonate the beer and lager it, or do I wait until I'm done lagering mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. All right. So he's talking about the Munich House from Brewing Classic Styles. Oh, yeah. Those of you on the video. Oh, the video's gone. 
uh, Brewing Classic Style. Yeah, so you can pick up that. a copy in the Brewing Network store, and they're signed. And uh, Munich Hells, page 52. Um, you know, if you're lagering, uh, you know, what I do is I try and make sure my beer is in the condition it needs to be um, at the end of fermentation through, you know, proper fermentation and temperature control during fermentation. And it's pretty much ready to drink at that point. And then I just throw it in a keg, crash cool it, and hook it up to pressure all at the same time. So in a week or two, it's ready to go. If you truly want a lager, uh, you know, so there's... And somebody sent me an interesting email uh, asking about the difference between lagering, conditioning, and aging. And I thought, actually, that's a really good question. He's like, well, they're all the same, right? Same same word for... Or, you know, different words for the same thing. Not really. All right, lagering truly is, you know, you lower the temperature. You want to stay, like, you know... 40 degrees and you know you lower the temperature slowly and you continue to have the yeast be somewhat active and take a role in changing the character of the beer and cold you know storing it cold over time conditioning is like cast conditioning where you're developing uh, co2 you might be you know waiting for the findings to settle uh, various things like that you know you've added hops that's conditioning uh, and aging is the beer is already in form for consumption. You're storing it for a longer period of time, even though it's ready for consumption, uh, to develop uh, other flavors like esters will develop and things like that. So that's technically aging. So that's kind of the difference between those three. Right, John? Yeah, that, that's that's good. Okay, and uh, so uh, you know if you if you really want to lager it, uh, you know you can put it in the keg. You can slowly lower the temperature. You don't want to go too fast. If you if you if you change the temperature of yeast too fast, um, they express these heat shock proteins that goes with heating them up as well as cooling them down. They express these heat shock proteins. They're really just not effective at doing a lot of other things. Uh, it really kind of impacts them, but they do that to protect themselves and. Uh, uh, there are some other benefits to it, but really, um, mm, yeah. uh, you know, you slowly lower it. Don't go too cold. You know, stick around 40 degrees Fahrenheit and just hold it there. If you add CO2, you can, but, you know, the increased CO2 pressure will actually decrease yeast activity as well. And too much mm-hmm. CO2 will actually poison the yeast. So, um, you know, if you really want the most effect of truly lagering, you would not do the CO2. But again... Mm-hmm. Good fermentation. You got the beer ready. Uh, I just crash cool it, hook it up to gas, and I, I don't care what what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these days, you know, with a properly fermented beer, lagering is a physical clarification of uh, mostly a physical clarification of the beer. Mm-hmm. Settling, Con- yeah, settling out of proteins and tannin, polyphenols. Clear, you know, clarifying the beer, getting the yeast and the the proteins and the tannins to drop out, getting a crystal clear beer. Um, you know, 50 years ago, maybe longer, I don't know, uh, you know, the beer was not as well, you know, not as well fermented going into the lagering stage. They had to be gentler in the, in the lager cooling, taking it down, you know, a few, few degrees a day and to let the yeast finish conditioning the beer. 
cleaning up the flavors, you know, getting rid of acetaldehyde and diacetyl and so on. Um, that to me, that's that's conditioning is is uh, the cleaning up of flavors, going from a green beer to a finished beer. Um, aging is, as Jamil said, is after you've you've gotten the the beer to a finished condition. You know, fermentation is finished. Uh, you know, other processes, oxidation reactions and melanoidin reactions are going to occur over time, even at cool temperatures, you know, and cellar temperatures. Um, and it's, you know, the beer is subtly going to change, um, it, you know, develop some more esters, develop some oxidation notes that are characteristic of, say, English strong ales. Um, you know, the, the character, the flavors of the beer will change with age. And that's what we're talking about is flavor changes with aging. Um, another example of conditioning is like Jamil said with cast condition ales. Again, it's it's a young beer. Um, you're letting that you're letting that beer get exposed to some more oxygen, um, and it's it, it's developing a very particular flavor profile uh, in that cast conditioning time. Um, that you know, and you serve it as, and you end up serving it a short time after that. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll get more of your uh, questions and uh, interesting uh, feedback after this. Keep your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for an economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. 
Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Okay. Live Q&A session. Do we actually answer the last guy's question? Yes. Eventually you did. Yeah, that he can just put it in his keg. He can logger in his keg, yes. See, why didn't you just do that the first time, Palmer? I had to listen to you for 10 minutes. The the question was, you know, (laughs) and does he hook up CO2? Ah. And he can, especially if you're just looking for settling and all that. If you're looking for yeast development, then it's a whole different question. So, thus the definition of loggering and conditioning. (laughs) All right. Next question. Yes. Uh, we'll another, pick up the pace. Don't another worry. one of our guests in the chat room. Um, he says, I've heard that you should raise the fermentation temperature towards the end of fermentation to help clean up acetaldehyde and diacetyl. Mm-hmm. My question is, if I'm brewing an American ale, mm-hmm. I'm using Y yeast 1056. Mm-hmm. By the way, we love the specifics. Do mm-hmm. this. Um, it has a fermentation temperature range of 60 to 72. Mm-hmm. I start the fermentation at 64. Mm-hmm. At what percent of attenuation do I start to increase the temp? Um, and if I do, if you do say I should increase the temp, um, how high do I increase it given that range? Well, you know, technically you can start doing it after the yeast have reproduced and all the yeast growth is done. Now the yeast growth isn't done just like, you know, all the yeast don't run in the same phase. They actually, you know, they're all different parts of the process at different there's some times. some slower ones. Yeah. There's some slow yeast. <laughs> some <laughs> they, special bus they yeast. Get there, they get there on the short tube. Yeah. And then there's the regular yeast that ride okay. the regular tube. Okay. No. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, really, you know, flavor development is affected by, you know, that initial growth. And that's really what you, you need to control. Um, so just um, as a general rule, you know, the final third of, you know, attenuation you can go ahead and just jack. You can do it any time after growth is done, but you know the final third is about when. And it, you know it doesn't hurt at any time. You can actually run to the end and then raise the temp. But what you're trying to do is keep the yeast active. Uh, you know they tend to slow down towards the end. You know raise the temperature at that point. If you see fermentation starting to slow, 
raise the temperature. You don't even need to take gravity reading. You know, you 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 can see. Just take a look at the the fermenter uh, mm. multiple times a day, and you see it start to get more active, and then it's really going, and the airlock's bubbling away, and then you see it start to slow down, and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as active. Go ahead and raise the temperature. Then add a couple of degrees. Um, if you're doing an ale and you're starting at 64. You know, you can add, uh, you know, one or two degrees, and then when it seems like it's slowing down a little bit more, another one or two degrees, you can get up, you know, another five, six degrees over that, and it'll wipe out any diacetyl, acetaldehyde, things like that. What's what's the cap? Just I think he's worried about how high. So I understand a couple degrees over a couple of days is is eighty the cap or is well you know you can you can go up into the the mid upper eighties you can go ninety or, or more the wow. problem is um, you know your yeast are going to die a lot faster at that temperature mm. and mm. really if you do it early enough and you know just a couple of degrees and actually if if you're yeast health is good and you pitch the right amounts and you're you know t- taking good control of nutrients and temperature um you know your your fermentation you don't even need to really raise the temperature um, and your pitching rates are right and all that um you know just holding the temperature steady will do it um yeah. as a safety margin you throw in a couple extra degrees you know just to suck up uh, anything and keep them active um that's really all that's needed yeah, five degrees Fahrenheit, three degrees C. That's that's plenty. Yeah, yeah. and and you know you just don't want to get it real hot. Um, the, the yeast will start to break down faster. Um, you know, any if you get oxygen in, any ox, oxidation will occur quicker. Things like that. So okay, all right. Hippo cat unicycle in the chat room uh, wants to know. Hey, he says thanks to some stimulus money, I got a new fridge in the kitchen which means I now have a beer fridge in the garage. Um, I also have a two-stage temp controller. So what's the best way to ferment and serve from the same fridge? Um, Or should I just do one or the other? Yeah, I've tried it before, but um, it's better to just do one or the other. Mm. If you need to, um, you know, you... uh, you really don't even need two stage. I mean, just set the fridge to, you know, you can dial in a refrigerator to serve beer temperatures. Um, you know, it'll go uh, even above forty if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just put a a, a firm wrap, a, a heater wrap around your carboy or fermentation vessel and run that on a controller and the fridge should be much colder than that already and you know you can raise it up you end up with this hot thing in your fridge and it makes the fridge cycle more often and i don't know uh if you wanted to do two stage one stage you'd you you run into a um a difficulty in that um uh you know you only have one probe Every dude got only that right, <laughs> and you got to take care of it. Yeah, take it. You insulate it. Yeah, you stick it up against the side, uh, that that bad boy, and uh, insulate it. So, you know, if you really want, you know, your beer serving at a colder temperature and your uh, fermenter at a much hotter temperature, then it's a problem. So, I I don't know. Yeah, if your probe starts and, to burn when you pay. You, you, need, you need you need two antibiotics. Fridges. Oh, <laughs> all right. 
Okay, another good question, and this is from the Todd in the chat room. And by the way, this is uh, uh, I give this the award for one of the best questions we've gotten in a long time. Really good question. Um, he says he's new to All Green. He just made an Oktoberfest. It was a Northern Brewer kit. He says it doesn't have the multi-character that I expected. Is it possible to hit every number, which he did, and have a good, clean lager that doesn't have the char- uh, characteristics of the target beer? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Apparently so. Yeah, because it happened. Because <laughs> it happened. You did it. No, because some um, of us do everything right and right. are not happy with the. You know, most of the time, my impression is it's uh, you know a fermentation issue. So you know, not making sure you have the right population of yeast, healthy yeast, good fermentation practices, things like that. That tends to. You know, when you really attenuate out uh, a lager properly and, you know, good lager fermentation, it's crisp and it's clean and you get all this malt character. All the malt character just all of a sudden comes through. And when you don't, it's just kind of, I don't know, just okay. Well, yeah. also, I think I think the water chemistry may have something to do with it. Sure. Um, you know, if he's got... If he's got a high alkalinity water, uh, or a or a water with, um, yeah, yeah, too much too much alkalinity or uh, not much sulfur in it, um, he may not uh, he may not gotten the punch out of that you know the, out of that beer, um, you know to bring to bring that malt character up a little, adding some brewing salts to that beer. Um, some uh, sodium chloride or some calcium chloride. Uh, yeah, try adding some calcium chloride, a pinch to a glass of the beer, stir it around, and then take a sip and see if that see if that helps accentuate the malt character a bit. That may be what that beer is lacking if he hit all the numbers. Okay, good point. All right, thanks, Todd, for that question. Good one. All right, Jingo's in the chat room. Uh, okay, so here's a topic that's uh, come up a lot lately. It's about whether or not to decant the starter. He's, he's mapped out a scenario for us. Mm-hmm. I've made a, he says, okay, you've made a two-liter starter. It has a good croissant on it, and the wort is ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't try to decant before pitching it at this point, right? You should do the whole starter if, it has, if you're right. at croissant. He's asking you that. Yes, and you know my rule is no more than 5% of the amount of the batch of beer. So you can do a one-liter starter into five gallons of wort, but I wouldn't do two liter starter into five gallons work because that would be about ten percent of the volume. Okay. So if you're going to make that big a starter, you know. But if he was doing a ten gallon batch, then mm-hmm. sure, that that's fine. Then okay. But if you're going to do, you know, a, a two liter or you know three or four liter starter for a five gallon batch of beer, I let it ferment out all the way. You know, chill it, let it decant, pour off the the spent liquid, and then brew day. You know, a few hours before pitching, I add a little more starter wort to it, just a, like a pint, uh, and let it kind of start to get active again, and then pour that whole thing in. You, you don't decant then. You've no. already decanted. Right. I've already, You've already decanted. decanted. Okay. So I've just got a pint of starter liquid. Got it. Okay. And I like that method because it's you know nice and active, and um, you know you're not dumping a huge amount of starter liquid into your wort. You get five percent, you can get away with. You start going past that, you can actually taste that start. You know, you can taste it less than that, but uh, you know, it really starts to kind of come through. Yeah. You know, if you get a massive starter liquid into uh, five gallons of beer. Well, and the best way you and Doc have both put it to me is you've gone through all that work 
to, to make the, the right work. Right. Why add something that you didn't really have a lot of control over? You, know, you don't know what that DMA was made of or anything else. Well, and if you you know decant and taste that starter wort, mm. actually, you know, on the your Rig Relter uh, Can You Brew It show, mm-hmm. I tasted the starter wort from that yeast, and it was fantastic. I drank a pint of oh. that starter wort. Interesting. It was really good. Wow. <laughs> well, you should be able to drink your starter wort, though, right? I mean, you're putting that in your beer either way. Yeah. Even yeah. if it doesn't yeah. taste like the beer, right. it should be good. It tasted really good. And yeah. it actually had no hops in it. And uh, it yeah. still tasted really good. The, the fermentation character of that yeast is, is amazing. Okay. All right. He has, he has a, a second question about that, too. Um, you know, How long can you let the starter sit at room temperature before you have to move it to the fridge? Um, Say you could say mm-hmm. you couldn't get to brew it on the day that you planned. Right. Uh, how long can it sit out on the counter? I'd sit out as long as you want. Um, you know, the yeast end up using utilizing some of their reserves after a certain period of time. The interesting thing is um, when you go to chill um, your work, you can actually there's there's um, stages you can take to build like the trailos uh, uh, in the yeast and build the reserves. Um. You know, so and and actually, you don't want to do it too quick either. Uh, there's a, a period of like eight to twelve hours where the yeast are building their glycogen uh, reserves as well. So you want to let the starter ferment out and then give it, uh, you know, about a half a day at least for them to build their glycogen, and then go ahead and refrigerate it. Okay. All right. A couple more for after the break. All right, let's take a short break and uh, get the rest of the questions answered. Back after this. Brew right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Stop. Ferguson, what is it? Listen, I think I hear a dwarfen ale. A what? A dwarfen ale. But there's no such thing. Aye, lad, 
but soon there will be. Hail Brewers! Fantasy Brewmasters invites you to participate in their 2010 Dwarf Brew Recipe Contest. Do you dig fantasy? Have you ever wanted to sit down for a beer with Frodo at the Prancing Pony? Or wish your tune wasn't the only one downing Warcraft's Brew of the Month? Yeah, you know who you are, and here's your chance to show your geek pride. Submit what you think would be the ultimate dwarf and beer, and your recipe could be chosen for commercial production as their flagship beer. Entrance must be a U.S. resident, 21 years of age or older. Log on to www.fantasybrewmasters.com to register and for contest rules and more details. For this contest, they're looking to brew an authentic dwarf and beer of your creation along the lines of a very drinkable brown ale. Registration deadline is Tuesday, August 31st. The winner takes home $1,000. Plus, they get to see their beer brewed commercially. Go to fantasybrewmasters.com now. It's not some old fantasy character beer. It's effing dwarf and ale, yo! fantasybrewmasters.com Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Google Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right. We'll wrap it up uh, our Q&A session here, which uh, we do every third show. Chance for you to ask your questions direct in the chat room or via email and uh, get them answered on the air. All right. What's the uh, final couple of questions we got? Yeah, I might just have one more, a, a two-part question. Uh, Brutat's in the chat room. Says, I've got a pack of Y-Yeast that's a year old. Can I still use it by making a starter in the normal way, or should I step it up like I would from a slant? I'd step it up. 
Yeah. 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 yeah you definitely, uh, you know, the if it's a year old, a good portion of the yeast, even if it was well-maintained, a good portion of that yeast is dead. Uh, so you're going to, or, or extremely low viability. Hmm. So you're going to want to kind of grow that up. And he's got the same question about an old pack of dry yeast, Safel 05. Well, how old? Uh, maybe it's about, let's assume it's a year old also. Right. So the dry yeast loses viability, especially if it's stored properly, you know, assume it was stored cold, loses viability slower. It's something like, um, God, I can't remember what the numbers are. It's like 4% a month or something like that. Um, so it's maybe like 50% viable by the end of, or it's lost 50% of its viability by the end of a year. So, uh, again, you'd want to, uh, you know, rehydrate and then, you know, the dead stuff will fall to the bottom and then, uh, but you might want to use twice as much uh, yeah. on the dried yeast. Yeah. The liquid yeast would be down to what, maybe 10, five, 10% after yeah. a year. You know, um, I've got, you know, the best estimations uh, that I can in the pitching rate calculator on MrMalty.com. Uh, the thing is, you know, none of the yeast companies want to give me specifics as to viability. So I had to do my own measures, and that's probably not as good. Um, you know, you may get a little better than that, and, you know, it's certainly possible. People go, oh, no, I must have, you know, 20%. It's like, well, yeah, all right. <laughs> but you know, the reality is, um, you know, I can't. you can't say that every pack is going to be that high. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you're going to need to grow it up as if you would from propagation. And then the question is, well, how do I know how much yeast I have then? Well, you have to get, get used to estimating the amount of yeast. So, um, you know, counting. If, if you've got a microscope and a hematometer, you can do it. Um, you can uh, also kind of estimate if you've got like a White Labs vial and you put yeast in there and you, know, you shake up, uh, you know, buy a vial, shake it up, and let it settle uh, briefly, and, you know, that's 100 billion cells. If you pour your yeast in there and, you know, you hit about that same mark of solids, then you probably have a little less than 100 billion cells because you probably have more non-yeast material in there. So uh, that that probably give you a you know pretty good idea of what the concentrations are. Um, you can also do this thing where um, for turbidity, uh, like a million cells, Per mill, um, is just in, in visible. Pure water, yeah. You know the water looks, um, you know, turbid. Uh, versus when it's less than that, you don't see the turbidity. But it just looks turbid uh, with a million cells per mill. So that's uh, another way to, you know, and the way you do it is, you know, you have your volume of of yeast, right? Uh, your slurry or whatever, and you've been growing it up, and you know exactly how much volume that is. And take a mill out and put it in, um, you know, nine mils of water. And if, you know, you can calculate the math and, you know, you can add more water and get to a point where it's just loses the turbidity. And you do the math to tell you what the concentration in that one mill you pulled out of your sample was. And then you do the math to say, well, if in one mill I had this amount of yeast... And I've got you know, 150 mils of slurry here. Ah, okay. I have 150 times that amount of yeast in this in this slurry. Mm. Okay, so that's how you can calculate out you know what your concentrations are without uh, doing a microscope and hematometer. It, it yeah, requires or, math. 
Yeah, or go to the store and get another vial of yeast is right. what I'm doing. After right. listening right. to that, now <laughs> I'm going to get more yeast. So, well, you know, there, there's the times where, uh, like, uh, you know, the uh, good people of Y-Yeast, they sent me um, a packet of, of the only packet they had left of a yeast that I needed for the uh, Rigwelter clone, uh, the Black Sheep uh, Brewery uh, clone show. Hmm. If they hadn't sent me that yeast, that beer probably wouldn't have been cloned. Right. And, uh, but, you know, that was a year old. Oh, okay. Um, but they sent it to me, and, you know, I grew it up, and it was great. Okay. You know? Uh, but it took a little growing. All right, and that's all we have time for from the chat. Good uh, job today, guys. Nice work. Right. Thank you. And good job, uh, folks in the chat and listening. Uh, like good. I said, we have uh, you know the smarter listeners here on Bruce Draw. Always but, good to hear from. <laughs> always good to hear from the smarter ones. Yeah, Any, anybody. <laughs> that's really. what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we enjoy enjoy listening to all of you, whether smart or not. Um, you fit right in, and and we love it. So, if you get a chance, come out and see John, I, Justin, uh, the whole Brew Network crew at uh, uh, the Brew Network party in Minneapolis. Can be uh, just before the NHC. If you can't get tickets to that, you can still maybe show up to the, uh, the Brewing Network anniversary party. We'd love to see you out there, or uh, some of our great sponsors: uh, Northern Brewer, uh, Blickman Engineering, what have you. Uh, be cool to see you out there. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, go to the uh, Brewing Network site. You can uh, sign up for Brew Your Own Magazine. I write a column for the, every issue, and John also contributes as well to Brew Your Own. Uh, you sign up through the Brewing Network through that link on the website there. Brewing Network gets half the subscription price. So that's a, a good deal for the Brewing Network, good deal for BYO, and a good deal for you because it's a quality magazine. So if you get a chance, check that out. You can find other stuff at the Brewing Network uh, site as well. Shirts, books, what have you. Uh, Good stuff. Until next time, make sure you uh, brew a lot and uh, brew strong. Brew strong, Cretans.